I think, to be honest, it's the people they surround themselves with. So putting yourself in a position to succeed. I think the companies that have identified that, look, I'm not the I'm the expert at my business and my at the idea that I had from the onset to build it out. Yes. But I want to bring in smart people around me. Like I want to bring in people that are good at marketing. I want to be people that are good at legal. I want to be people that are good at the accounting side and people that are good at the tax credit, the funding side. Like I think that's what I found works uh, best for companies when they surround themselves with the right mix of talent. So the external supports, as well as they have that internal team that they can trust. Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money, Got Money podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani. And my guest today is Narain Balakrishnan. Narain helps early stage startups to access R&D funding in Canada. So I wanted to find out from him how he does it and what makes some applications successful and some applications mediocre. So let's get into it. It's great to have you here. I've been waiting to, to interview you and to learn a bit more about how you help tech startups. First of all, tell us a bit about your background and how you ended up doing what you're doing now. Yeah, for sure, Sam. Great to be here. And uh, yeah, just by way of background, I have a unique background in the sense that I I started off, I went to uh, University of Toronto and I did uh, computer science in school. So always had an interest in uh, technology, problem solving, that sort of thing coming out of of school. Did that. And then I worked in industry for a number of years. So I I did a kind of combination. I worked at IBM when I was a student and then I went to an accounting firm, a software development company. So that they make accounting software actually. So I worked there for a number of years doing a mix of software development testing and And uh, so I got kind of exposure in my field in terms of the industry. And and then I had a bit of a change. So I was there for a number of years and I said, I wanted to try something a little bit different. And uh, and that's when I, now it's been 13 years ago that I started <laughs> in uh, in the consulting world. So I yeah. uh, started off in a big four firm. It was my first real exposure to this world in a lot of ways. It was very different than what I was doing. So yes. doing a lot of the hands-on development programming, testing kind of work. Now you're on the other side, you're learning about what other companies are doing. So you're not just doing the one thing you're talking to many companies, learning about technology, learning about what they're doing, and then how really helping them. So you're a completely different perspective, I would say. But I quickly found that that's really where my interest was. <laughs> I think as much as I like to do the, the hands-on work, I think my really what I like to do more was uh, how can I help companies? How can I help a number of companies in, a different, in different ways? Like you were saying off the top, access funding programs, and just be there to, to support them through their growth. And and since then, I haven't really looked back. My, my role has changed to working with a lot more companies and uh, yes. a lot of different aspects of the of my of the role as we'll get into but that's where i am now changed uh, to so i've been at grant thornton now for uh, six years and really like it we're a, gl- a global firm in terms of our exposure but my focus area is really the canadian programs and and i get to work with a lot of tech startups and it's fun every day just you know, just being at the forefront of technology yeah <laughs> that that sounds great talking about you're just talking about helping companies what are the the typical types of companies that come to you through grant thornton thornton yeah and and how do you help them what's the process like yeah so we get a wide range of companies i would say and just given my background again i really focus on the technology sector so a lot of my clients are in the startup space grant thornton in general speaking on my behalf of myself today not not for the company but just in general the 
the firm really focuses on that type of company. So small, medium size, we offer yeah. you know, all the services. So it's really nice because we can be there in the beginning when yes. companies are now starting off. And also uh, when we get into the later stages, when they're looking at you know, complex audits or getting into exit strategy and things like that. How A combination of things, the companies come to us where they may be an existing client for other services or tax services, and there's a lo- logical you know, connection to they need funding. And so that's where they come yes. into our group. It's really a mix. So we get a lot of through accelerators and incubators in and around. Yeah. We have a lot of groups like that where we get a lot of clients through external referrals sources where you might uh, have a client that we've been working with that's happy with us and they want to have uh, another company that they that they know could take advantage of these programs. And a lot of times it's word of mouth referrals and things like that through you know LinkedIn and other other social media. We get a lot of opportunities that way. And then just companies that know us, so this by brand through the website, they might say, hey, we're familiar with you guys. Uh, sometimes yes. they don't know what we do, but, and it's a mix from everything from technology to we do manufacturing, we do food and beverage, we do pharmaceuticals. So it's quite the range because there's no Absolutely. on the type of company that can access these programs, but it's all sizes. We don't exclude anyone, but yes. really the sweet spot, I would say for a lot of the programs that we help out with tend to fall in the small, medium size. Those are the companies that really benefit the most from these type of programs. Yeah. The larger players and some of the foreign companies can benefit. It's uh, it's more focused and more beneficial to the smaller companies, I would say. So, Absolutely. Yep. And how small are you talking about? Do For accelerators and incubators, a lot of people joining them are even at the ideation or MVP stage. They just yeah. have an MVP, they want to scale it or they want to grow yeah. it. Do you, do you work with those sort of because a lot of the audience uh, falls yeah. in that spectrum for yeah. this podcast and my followers yeah. and so yeah. what's the process like how what do you do for say it's a canadian startup they have yeah. an mvp they have few users 10 50 users and they yeah. want to scale it they want to see what funding options are there for those sort of that that sort of a startup so what yeah. do you do next? yeah that's a great question because i think there's sometimes a misnomer on a firm like who we are we have to be a certain size of company that's not the case one of the things is in incorporated companies Obviously, you want to have, we could talk to you before that, for sure. I do talk to some companies in the ideation stage where they're just starting out. Just more of a, call it like mentorship, just helping them along. Once they're incorporated, the nice thing about these programs is a lot of them, example, the R&D tax credit, you don't even have to have revenue. So really the requirement is, it, it is really that you're in the prototype proof of concept stage. You have invested some money in the R&D side. So that's really when it starts. And so once you start incurring those costs, whether it's building out a team, doing some of the development work, once you start incurring those costs, then we can help you. And the sweet spot really is probably the pre-seed. Yes. So yes, it's definitely early stage. and it's. But we do look for a certain amounts, I would say. It probably makes sense once you've started incurring those costs and doing the development, as opposed to, again, very early on, we may not be able to do a lot when you've, again, pre-incorporated or more of the ideation. But once you're, yeah, like you're saying, once you start to build out that user base, once you start to do that testing, beta testing, yes. and you get into, you're thinking about pre-seed and, and you're thinking about Series yes. A, yeah, it's fair game, I think, for for the type of companies that we get involved with. So That's very interesting because yeah. um, as you just like Canada, I've talked with lots of people in in different parts of the world and nearly Mm -hmm. everywhere. There are lots of programs that exist out there to help startups get up and running. And these can vary from anything, from complete sort of no equity help to help in tax credits to, Mm -hmm. I mean, from government side to funding 50% of R&D. So that's what um, exists in New Zealand. It's at the moment, it's called Callahan Innovation, and it it might be called something different in future as they might rebrand in future, who knows, but there's lots of, there's there's lots of different government agencies like that who do fund, Mm -hmm. but they match a dollar for dollar for R&D for the first 
they might have criteria. If you're this size, then up to 400,000. If you're this size, mm-hmm. up to 1 million, 5 million, all that. But it is, I found that for some startups that I know or some tech startup mm-hmm. founders that I know, what they say to me is that they found it really challenging to prove that money was for R&D and mm-hmm. not just building the, running the day-to-day business. And mm-hmm. when you're bootstrap, you need money to run day-to-day business to even get mm-hmm. to that really hard science research. Mm-hmm. So how do startups navigate that? What would your advice would be? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. And in Canada, the main program is the SRNED tax credit program. So the idea is it stands for scientific research and experimental development. So as you can imagine, mm-hmm. they do, that's what they want to fund, right? They want yes. to be funding the innovation. They want to be funding the work that's uh, truly cutting edge and not your standard day-to-day. So it, it, it's often not easy. And that's where we can come in uh, to separate that out. And one of the big ways of doing that is really documentation is a really important part of the program. So how are you tracking your time? How are you tracking your expenditures? So there's that kind of clear delineation between, okay, and this is the, this is the spend for true R&D work. And here's the the other operation side, or even going into commercialization or marketing or things that don't fall in the R&D. So having that clear separation, I think it's really important because when it comes time to doing these applications, um, that's what the government wants to see. They want to see that you've basically said, yeah, these are the the costs that we, or the time that we're spending on R&D versus the non-R&D time. The one thing, nice thing about the program in Canada, I'm not sure if it's similar in New Zealand, is there is an an allowance for overhead. So what happens is when you have a certain amount of salary that you're that's your core R&D spend. The government here allows a a markup amount, a nominal amount on top of that. It's about 55% uh, roughly. It's called proxy overhead. So the nice thing with that is you automatically get this bump up for things that wouldn't typically fall into R&D. So your your utilities, rent, things like that, that you can't claim. There is that nice markup. And so that's been really beneficial in Canada because then companies don't actually have to prove that out through receipts or anything like that. You're just given that amount on top of your, on top of your, on top of your salary. Those are the strategies, but just being able to help our, our companies document, track, yes. and then you get this kind of benefit as well as in terms of applying for the program. So that, that's what we see in Canada. That is, so. yes, that's really good to hear. In France, they, I think they subsidize, I think 50, 60% of the wages for the first few employees and stuff. France has got right. some really interesting programs for startups and that's why the ecosystem there is really growing really fast. So does UAE, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, they have, or Sharjah, they have some really interesting nice. um, programs and amazing support from, and it's, I'm seeing this everywhere being replicated right. one in one form or another, just right. talking with people. Talking about that, you would have, I've dealt with lots of different startups and helped quite a few. I don't know about Canada, but in New Zealand, not everyone is successful in getting Mm -hmm. that funding from those government Mm -hmm. funding programs. Some are more successful than others. What do you see as the key differentiator there? What do you see is that some succeed and some don't? Yeah, great question. I think I've been in the I've been in the program, the game for a long time. And I found like when years ago, when you think about it, mobile apps, right, as as something that was just very new, I think about devices like uh, iPhone was just coming out even before that blackberry and everything that was the latest and greatest right people that we used to claim a lot of companies used to claim a lot of r&d credits around mobile app development and it was because it was all new there was there was a lot of unknown there was a lot of a lot of support for building out those type of applications in those days i think what we see now is a standard app development is, is tougher right just because there yeah. is more available publicly there's two there's uh 
software development kits. There's publicly yes. in public information, not, almost not anyone, but it's very easy now to, to build yeah. an app, right? On iPhone or Android or whatever it is. So I think the differentiator now is you have to be doing something that's, that's just non-standard in some way. And so it's really sometimes industry dependent. So if I look at software, things like where I see a lot of potentials like AI, you know, and AI is a broad term, obviously. What we've seen in the last few years is um, people doing things in of clients, companies are doing very interesting things in the legal, illegal innovation. There's an entire legal yes. innovation zone of companies. So it's taking almost technology areas or sectors that really didn't have a lot of technology to them and, and now applying technology to those sectors. And that's where we're seeing some interesting things, right? Obviously, health is a big one. FinTech is a big one. But I think you, that's the differentiator is being you're doing something. It's easy to say you're doing something that someone hasn't done before. That's not the true story. It's not entirely that, but that's the more that you can do those things and patent things that's going to help you. But it's separating the standard versus the non-standard. So if I have a lot of support for what I'm able to do, these programs are not here for you to reinvent the wheel, right? Because if you can do something, they're here to support you for things that you can't do through those traditional standard means, or you don't have the know-how to do it. And that's why you need this infusion of, of money to really help you innovate. And that's that's what it makes it easier. Sometimes, sometimes it's great, to be quite honest. Sometimes you have stuff that's pretty clearly standard type work. And sometimes it was very cutting edge. The, the challenge is something yes. in the middle. So those companies that are doing some things, some of it might, some of it might not. And that's where we can really help and advise. So, yeah. And that's where I think a lot of the potential lies because none of the biggest companies are anything that unique it's google was not the first search engine no, <laughs> or, or no. neither was facebook the first social network but it no. was yeah the reason it got to three billion a lot came down to execution and support and stuff so yeah. as you say the the real challenges in the middle where where you yeah. guys can help so that's great that's right. with the ai i completely agree so i felt like for a while every startup that had an if else statement was saying that they are doing ai <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right um, yeah and yeah it's yeah. very interesting yeah, um, it got to a point where like .dot .ai uh, URLs, everybody had that. So it's you're doing something that, that now you can start to dissect that a little bit because you know, everybody seems to have an element of AI. It used to be that everybody had an element of software. Now it seems like everybody has an element of AI within their within their company. So it's trying to figure out like, is it truly something innovative now? Because everybody yeah. the, the playing field has a, bit, a leveled a bit. I think so. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's also because since you are from a software engineering background, I can <laughs> talk about this. But it's just because it's got a lot easier easier to use yeah. things like gpt3 you can yeah. or, or various different apis ai apis yeah. that you can That's tap right. into and you don't have That's to build right. that core ai from or machine learning software from scratch so it, it is getting a lot faster so now once again the differentiation comes down to not the product but the distribution and so how are you going to get to yeah. 5 million users or, or 5000 users because yeah. Um, that is a huge cost and reduce your churn and all, all the same stuff. <laughs> I totally agree. I think it's like ma- faster to market now or marketing yes. strategy or sometimes that's the separator. So the technology nowadays, like a lot of people can do very similar things, but yes. how do you differentiate? How do you differentiate yeah. yourself in other ways? And because, that's I mean, the challenge. Yeah, like a strong brand has always been a massive moat. And then on top of that, now if you have captive audience of 5 million, just because you are popular on online yeah you you don't have the same ad expense just gm ford and all these companies spend every year over two billion in advertising tesla spends zero dollars in advertising (laughs) because he's got a captive audience of 40 million and anytime he tweets every newspaper runs that tweet every time so it's free it's free advertising (laughs) it's true yeah it's really true the the power of the 
the, the social media and things like that now with when you have that influence now yeah exactly right so if yeah. you have that influence you have a captive audience some people used to back in the days talk about 1000 true fans but now there are people with 10 million to true fans like mr yeah. beast so you could have yeah. open a burger burger business and yeah. within two days it's worth 300 million because yeah. when you have 40 50 million following you it doesn't take long um yeah. to get the word out it's crazy because when you think about facebook acquiring I think it was WhatsApp years ago and you're like yes. the valuation seemed pretty crazy but when you think about the user base that's what that's what it is when you yeah, think about the user what base that what that's what it is that's what they want they want the eyeballs they want the they want the distribution the reach. That, yeah that's they, it. exactly yeah. right they want the yeah. reach I was yeah listening to someone else online and it's, it's just two things one is product the other one is distribution all engineers get the product part yeah. right but then when you have zero users cuz build yeah. it and they will come does not exist anymore yeah yeah <laughs> um, I mean I, yeah it's true cuz I see to myself in my own we have clients very doing very similar things obviously with a with a large client base the ones that are differentiate themselves are the ones that are doing things better from a market perspective or an influence perspective or a, uh just a marketing in general perspective that's how they separate themselves they could be the technology could be very similar but how do you reach your audience and how do you reach your client base is the, is the key differentiator i think so Yeah, very true. Since you have worked with lots of apart from the company product all that side, you you've worked with people for last, you know, 13 years who are small to medium business owners, tech startup owners, uh, yeah. all sorts from all different niches. W- talking about just the people side of it, what do you think differentiates um people who go on to do really well as business owners, CEOs or whatever you wish to call them and yeah. what people who continue the path of mediocrity, what's the yeah. key difference? I think to be honest it's the people they surround themselves with so putting yourself in a position to succeed I think the companies that have identified that look I'm not the I'm the expert at my business and my yeah. at the idea that I had from the onset to build it out yes. but I want to bring in smart people around me like I want to bring in people that are good at marketing I want to be people that are good at legal I want to be people that are good at the accounting side and people that are good at the tax credit and the funding side like I think that's what I found works uh best for companies when they surround themselves with the right mix of talent so the external supports as well as they have that internal team that they can trust so they've got again there that maybe they're the CEO the co-founder but they bring on a a strong CTO and they bring on somebody that's a product really strong again from a marketing perspective yes. i think that's what i've seen has been has made companies more successful than others where other companies have tried to say you know what i'm going to take this on myself or <laughs> i'm going to maybe not play to their strengths you know yeah. what i mean like they're you're good at this and maybe you're not so good at this but that's okay you can yeah. you have other people that can help you with that and companies that have adapted figured that out early on i've seen that it's it seems to have aligned with 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 their growth and and their success and just figuring out that who you want working with you who you want to be partnered with and that's what i've seen as the number one if there's a common thing that's probably what it's been in terms of company success so yeah that's yeah that's great to yeah that's what everyone says the five yeah. people you <laughs> hang out with you are the average of that and that was <laughs> yeah. one of my inspiration to to start this podcast yeah. is because i want to surround myself with really high quality people and i want to talk with them i want to interview them i want to understand and it's it's great so even if one person or even if no one listens to this it is totally worth it because mm-hmm. there is a massive exchange of ideas happen and yeah. so it helps everyone so yeah yeah that's so i was going to say that's the way i look at it myself too like i want to be around 
smart people and people that I can bounce ideas off of. And, and again, realize that I'm not the expert on things and I want to have someone that I can say, hey, I don't know, but I know someone who does know and I, they're the ones I can t- talk to you about this. Exactly. I want to claim to be the expert on everything. And so, yeah, that's my approach as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Just talking about, about different ecosystems since you are in Canada, I've, I've worked in Bay Area or in Silicon Valley or, or in a few different places around the world and stuff. And every place has things that are unique to them. So it's, for example, in New Zealand, it's one of the easiest countries to get up and running and started like within an hour or two you could have your tax number company registered ip registered everything online done two three hours max it's super super easy no like a lot less bureaucracy because it's a small country but then on the flip side you don't have access to capital and you don't have access Mm. to market the key things you need for any business (laughs) so you you cannot grow yeah and outside of some parts in us the bay area silicon valley or new york or few key centers there is if you are in midwest it is a lot harder to grow a company because there is again absence of capital in in tech startups people traditionally invest in other things mm-hmm. like stocks or houses or property or other things mm-hmm. that they know mm-hmm. and that is a quite similar theme as soon as you go outside of key places like a few places in china or a few china, places yeah. in big cities around the world right. does do um, startups find the same problem in Canada as well when trying to raise money? I would say so. Yeah, I think it's still not when you think about the Valley in San Francisco and, and parts, not all of the US, but parts of the US and New York and, and California yeah. and stuff like that. I think there's still, still definitely a lot more money, a lot more deal flow yeah. in the US. It's gotten better in Canada. I think there, I, I don't know the latest statistics, but I think their R&D programs stack up quite well. The supports that they provide, if you look at you know other regimes around the world, the US, UK, I'm uh, <laughs> not as familiar with New Zealand, but yeah. you know, I think they do well there. Where they're still probably lacking is that taking it to commercialize. So what happens in Canada is a lot of uh, great ideas, a lot of great R&D happens, but then a lot of companies end up going to the States either for funding, to get that product to market. We're still seeing that. So there's a talk about patent bot, different types of you know, different types of things that we could do to help companies you know, in Canada. So we want to get them all the way through. Homegrown companies, there have been some stories. We look at Shop, Shopify, you've probably heard yeah, of Shopify is a amazing. very big story yes. in Canada, but we need more of those, to be honest, right? Yeah. More of those you still see in the US. So I think that's still a challenge. I think they've gotten better. I always tell people like when I was in coming out of school and I would have loved to do yeah. probably love to do some entrepreneurship. I had some had yes. friends, we had ideas. We just didn't have the supports back then. Nowadays, yeah. every college, every university has some sort of uh, entrepreneurship, you know, entrepreneurship accelerator and incubator. We don't have that. So that's gotten better. The supports have gotten better. The programs have certainly gotten better. The funding has gotten better. It's just, there's still room to grow. Yes. And I, I think, and I hope, I hope that's something that we can see evolve over the next few years. So. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's not the, the public side. It's on the private side. There is not yeah enough private funding it's like there is no equivalent of sequoia capital or kleiner perkins or anderson horowitz or anything like that yeah that exists in new zealand or australia or canada or anywhere so it's like what the first thing tech startup you have delaware c registered and then you can go and access it so many times does. right i talked it's, to a company yesterday and they're like yeah we we just set up a delaware corp i said why did you do that we said well this is where y combinator and funding and it's there it, so we needed to have this right it's not because it's easy in fact us is a bureaucratical nightmare yeah. you try and register anything it's like the forms are like made in 1965 <laughs> or something yeah, exactly. it's like it's all really old school systems yeah. because they're public 
support is not there. It's non-existent. No, and the systems are um, antiquated. But the private support and the access it, to market is still yes. unparalleled to anywhere else except China. Yeah. But then again, yeah, that's a c- completely different culture different, and, and different language model, yeah. and all that. Yeah. 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 So yeah the US still that, does. Yeah. yeah, they still do well there, I think. And uh, there are programs like, you know, uh, Days uh, Valley programs and stuff like that. So there's a lot of collaboration now. So, yes. you know, you, you'll hear, you'll see things, I guess, with the previous regime in the US, there was a lot of uh, people coming to Canada with the start with the startup visa. We do get a lot of even, we see a lot of companies that we work with internationally. So like that want to set up shop in Canada for, for, because of the R&D programs and stuff like that. But the US is still, when you talk about the private investment, it's still unmatched. Um, yeah. A lot of even my clients, they get investment, it's coming from the US, it's not coming from Canada. It's gotten better. Like there has, there is more investment in Canada, but yeah hopefully that's something that comes as we go forward yeah yeah in in new zealand it's everyone wants to just invest in property is it similar in canada (laughs) there is a boom right now yeah in certain provinces there's uh it's just the market has just gotten through the roof so yeah very hot market right now you can't buy anything under a million dollars basically (laughs) you're a house you you need a million dollars and (laughs) yeah multiple offers now like prices are house prices over asking that's pretty commonplace right now too yeah Yeah. and it's like when you're you're making 20 percent a year on property is like why won't you take risk and invest yeah. in 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 a tech startup it's whereas true. the vc ecosystem is so developed in us that that they can do five million dollar <laughs> seed round or pre-seed round and yeah. and a, a startup in canada has to go through or in new zealand has to go through That's friends good. and family of fifty thousand round <laughs> yeah. so yeah. it's it's very hard to compete with that it's the same story i've talked with yeah. people all, all around the, all the around world, world yeah. and it's the same story as soon as you go out of same story in midwest as well in yeah, of us yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah i think it's a stage of company right a lot of companies they want to stay non get the non-dilutive right as much as long as possible so they have to yes. relinquish control and and get that sort of thing but when it gets to that point usually it's going to be the us right where you're still going to get um that private investment like you talked about so i think it's similar i don't think it's just uh, it's just canada that's yeah that's a global thing it's a global thing but maybe that'll shift as we go so we'll see yeah yeah it it seems like it is slowly changing but yeah yeah, it's i have two or three questions that i ask um everyone and sure first one is what is the book that you're reading right now or the last book that you read yeah i'm trying to think it was uh think like a monk actually by yes. jay shetty is uh, yes. a recent uh, book as uh so he's uh he's a guy that i i follow a little bit his uh, principles and the things that he's been doing and his life story is very interesting obviously as yeah. well and i'm not sure if jay and and you've, yeah, uh, yeah, you've seen yeah. his story so his uh that's the one i'm reading right now so a lot of a lot of interesting things that you can apply to your own life and not pro- yes. professionally personally so that's the one that, that I'm reading right now yeah. yeah and probably you have answered this already but is there any youtube or podcast that you follow youtube channel or a podcast yeah so i was on a recent podcast uh, it was a disruptors podcast and it is a it's actually a, a fellow i know who is actually well connected with a lot of the tech ecosystem so yes. a lot of what we talk about today so he i was recently on the podcast that's one I, that i follow actually one that's just for general interest is actually uh star talk by uh, neil degrasse tyson so oh, he, yeah that's he great runs, yeah so that's one that i've been listening to quite recently so I, I think he's very interesting obviously very bright and you know and, and he has some very interesting guests so it's not just just when you think about his background but he yeah. has a broad range of guests and topics so those are a couple and then just general interest I'm a, I'm a sports fan I listen to there's uh, Bill Simmons uh, who's who's a famous in the US he does a lot of sports pop culture type podcasts so I'm pretty 
uh, broad in terms of my interests. So, yeah. so what sports to, do you follow? So here, hockey is obviously big as, yeah. as a kid in Canada, but I'm a I big, thought uh, you'd follow Raptors because yeah, you're so, in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Toronto Raptors is the big one, actually having, they won the, the championship. Last year. Yeah. So that's yeah, yeah. a big story across the country. So they've been big. I've, and I've been following the Raptors like since they came into inception, I guess it was in the mid nineties. So I've been a big fan and the, the baseball as well. So the Blue Jays are yeah. big here. They're starting up again and when i was a kid i actually went to the the last time they actually won the world series so i always remember that as a growing up as a kid so those would be the big ones but i'm pretty big into other sports like tennis and world cup soccer i I don't follow as much cricket but i do probably big there but when the world cup rolls around i'm i I get into cricket again but i just it takes too long i like basketball (laughs) because the games are short so i basketball yeah basketball is probably the one i watch the most and and even i didn't mention football watching the super bowl and and stuff like that here america yeah Football, yeah. Probably more than Canadian football. I'm not sure if yeah. I'm supposed to say that, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Big sports fan for sure. That is yeah. great. Um, yeah. If you had to start all over again, what would you do yeah. differently? Ooh, yeah. Like what I mentioned. Just out earlier, of university. Like, yeah. Um, I still, I really like where I am. I like this field. So I would probably start this earlier, to be honest. Like I would yeah. have by, bypassed the, the software doing the development myself and getting into this field a lot earlier. The only other thing would be exploring entrepreneurship. I think now I'm amazed at how young people coming out of uh, university, entrepreneurship projects, fourth year projects, they're starting companies, yes. they have fantastic ideas. And I think the support is there. But maybe and I, it's hard to take you know, when your family and stuff like that, take risks later on in life when you're younger and you can afford to take those type of risks in, in entrepreneurship maybe i would have done something there but i, I still think i would have been in, in some fashion i would have been in, in this world probably just started a bit sooner so, yeah yep. yeah so a couple of weeks ago i took part in a pitch competition it's called vcic venture capital okay. investment competition okay. it's run in lots of universities like mit and oxford yep. and lo- lots all, all around 120 yep. universities and they have different regions and yep. our startup that the startup that i'm building insider dot com which is on yep. on gamifying mm-hmm. um the way you learn about fintech and cryptocurrency and all that so yes i our startup got invited to take part we took part yes. and we won so yeah. it, was, it was an well, amazing congrats, experience yeah. took yeah. took the whole day but um <laughs> a lot of the students they were in their late um 20s who have wow. gone back to university to do their MBA specializing in how to be- become a venture capitalist or become okay. a VC. So it was a great um, experience and, and all that. We have yeah. really enjoyed that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, great to hear. Congrats on that. And yeah, even through my experiences, I've been I've been fortunate to judge some pitch competitions a couple of times and I like that. And I don't know if they have an equivalent in New Zealand. There's like the Shark Tank and, and we have Dragon's Den yes. here in, in Canada. So I, I'm a fan of just those type of shows where you're seeing a lot of these ideas and you get to see a lot of just you everything has been solved in a lot of times and it's yeah no like we, we haven't scratched the surface for new Absolutely. ideas and new potential so that's the thing that amazes me i think on a day-to-day and keeps me keeps me motivated <laughs> so yeah talking yeah. about that we are yeah. planning to run a hackathon with a company that specializes in in running it and okay. we will be if you are open to the the topic is nft which is non-fungible tokens i'm not oh, sure yes. if you're aware seen of that in NFT. the news a lot with the yes. i saw the one recently with the uh, the one that was sold for i think it was 69 million or something like yeah, that. yeah yeah oh but that's a different story because you know what people don't see is the work that gone it's just like mr beast what people don't yep. see is the nine yes. years of right every single day of 
posting videos that Mr. Yeah. Beast did to build to that stage. Of so course, it's like yeah. they are a 12 year or 10 year overnight success. Sorry, <laughs> so, yeah. so, you don't hear you don't hear about the backstory. You don't hear. Yeah, so so let yeah. me tell you about the people that that NFT sure. that people are talking about. So he made a new digital image, digital art every single day for 13 and a half years for 5000 days wow. and when he was doing it in 2008 making digital images and social media was still very young and yep. so he was doing it making amazing artwork mm-hmm. and posting it every single day and and this mm-hmm. image that sold for 69 million was a collage of every single one of those 5000 images right, so right. It, it is a 13 and a half years of work just like a tech startup founder if he works for 5000 days straight on an, on pushing his building and pushing his startup and makes it success and it sells for 700 or 70 billion no one bets an eye or for that That's so it's fair enough fair enough it is and because of nft it can be you Unique because it is coded on that one unique chain of number. Yes. And so only you own it. And that's why Christie's and all these auction places are jumping onto it because now yeah. it is much easier to verify identity and, and especially yes. in COVID times, transmit that identity to someone else to or transmit it online where right. physical art auctions where people go gather together or it's a lot harder to do. So it, sure. it is just that everything turned out the right timing and everything <laughs> at the yeah. right time for that idea. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we are running a hackathon. So people would have different ideas. And mm-hmm. since you have a background in software engineering and all that, yeah, you're most welcome to be either a judge or a mentor. So yeah, just yeah. let me know. Oh, of course, I'm going to remove all the, just this NF, like this part yeah, yeah. from the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to forget. Um, so yeah, yeah. it, it will no, absolutely. be, I'll be around 14th to 16th of uh, May and May. it will be run remotely because because a lot of these of our audience or people are like who'd be taking part in it a lot of the mm-hmm. developers are based mm-hmm. in India or or like a lot of the um, Asian countries so they'd all be so it will be virtual so it's not it would be on a like a particular time you'd have to be there so you, you so we it's a my friend startup who is building this platform to run hackathons for corporates and stuff so yeah so they so you just use the software you log in you can see who's what people have done and then you can be a judge and rate them and things like that so yeah yeah. so so i'll I'll send you uh, more information in a week's time so it's still a while to go it's uh, 14th to 16th of may which is a weekend and yeah so people will work on it. They, so they might build a marketplace. They might build different things. They'll submit mm. their ideas and you'll get to see all these different startups and rank them or give them <laughs> marks. Sure. Yeah, sounds, <laughs> so, sounds very interesting. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So yeah. that'd be great. So now it's just as well. Got a chance to connect with you today yeah. and not earlier because yeah. we, we didn't have plan to run this earlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, it's good, good timing. Yes, yeah. especially when we are doing things in around the platform that we are building with Insider mm-hmm. around blockchain mm-hmm. and around everything that it is, educating people by building games and things. So this is a quite kind of similarish topic. That's right. why we are running it. And so my startup Insider is sponsoring it. Yeah. So do you have finally the final question for the podcast? And that is, do you have an ask? Are you looking for anything? Are you looking for? tech startups or investors or anything feel free yeah my my ask is always i'm always uh, happy to talk to interesting companies so for me it's the conversation so learning about the new technologies i'm always uh, just 
I'm always keen to learn about that and learn to talk to people. So anybody who's uh, doing something interesting and spends a few, want to spend a few minutes chatting with me, uh, always open to that. So and that's my ask, I say. So. Follow up question on that. So yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to be based in Canada? Yeah, for me, for my day, you know, day to work in terms of the programs, there, there yes. is Canadian focused. So that's probably yes. a preference. But you know what? Maybe there's opportunities, right? Maybe there's opportunities for companies that are looking to come to Canada yeah. or want to learn about Canada. You know, it can be opened up to other companies. But for what I do, yeah, it's probably a preference. It's probably Canadian. Absolutely. That's yeah. great. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. That's great. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.